All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. Jeff here. Brad, how are you? What's going on, Jeff? I'm doing pretty well. Ready to get these rankings knocked out. Pretty interesting weekend we had here in football. Yeah, we uh, we had a Tuesday football for the first time since I believe it was like 2009, maybe 2010. It's been a while. It's been a while. Something crazy. So uh, with that in mind, big game last night's going to probably affect at least my rankings. I'm pretty sure it affected yours as well. Yeah. But uh, as always, I'm going to go ahead and start us off and we'll go from there. Let it rip. All right. Coming in at number 10. There's a lot of teams that could make the case for these next three teams, but coming in at number 10, the Chicago Bears. Four and one on the season, plus five in point differential, which isn't, it's not a gaudy number. I mean, plus five when you're four and one is kind of weird. It means you've played a lot of close games or you got blown out in your loss. But listen, they're four and oh in the NFC. That's their, that's their conference. Their only loss is to a very good Colts team. Uh, I like this team moving forward with Nick Foles. That's why I got him at 10. Coming in at number nine, the four and one Browns. Also not a very gaudy point differential. They're a plus seven on the year, but they're one of only like five teams with a four game win streak. And this team has done it by dominating the ground game after losing week one. They've been great. Uh, Lots to say about them. They have a huge game this weekend against Pittsburgh. Coming in at number eight, I have re-elevated this team. Uh, they're four and one. They're plus 46 on the year. The LA Rams. This this team has one loss, and it was a tough loss to the Bills. I mean, plus 46 is good for third best in the league. This team is, they're beating their opponents down, and their only loss was a very close one to the Bills in which they were down big, and they ended up coming back in that game. I think the Rams are, they're a very good team right now. I'm excited to see where they're going to elevate because I don't think they've reached their ceiling. But I also see them as a playoff team, and going forward, they're going to be a threat every week. Coming in at number seven, the 4-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't care. They haven't beat anybody. As of right now, it's not on my radar. We're a quarter of the year done. Uh, They're plus 31 on the year, so they are beating their opponents. But uh, this team has a lot of improving to do, especially – through the air defensively. Uh, you know, they haven't really let anybody run on them, but they did allow one big run to Miles Sanders. Outside of that, Pittsburgh's still a good club. What they're doing offensively right now, and Chase Claypool, and Connors played great. Big Ben looks healthy as hell. This is a good football team. Probably has a case to be higher than seven, but I push so they wouldn't put them any lower than seven. Coming in at number th- uh, number six, you know, a, a rough outing last night but I'm not going to harp on it too much. The Buffalo Bills, they're still 4-1. and one. The craziest thing is because of how bad they got beat down last night, they're negative three on the year in point differential. I'm not going to sleep and die on that, but Josh Allen on the year, 14 touchdowns, three picks. He's the reason they're so good. The defense has played great. It didn't play great last night, and that was the reason, and that's why I'm not going to drop them too much. I don't think this is going to be a week-in, a week-out thing. I think this team is honestly flirting with a 12-4 and record. 11-5, and I think, is probably their floor right now. They're, they're playing good enough football to, to eventually get to that point. I guess we'll go ahead and see. Coming in at number five, the Baltimore Ravens, who are 4-1 and in a staggering plus 73, by far the best in the NFL. They're the most dangerous team in the, in the league with a lead. And if they're not playing Pat Mahomes, they're as good as anybody in this in this league. 
And they have, I mean, they have the most complete team still to this day. What what they're going to do moving forward, we'll see. Uh, most dangerous team with the league, and I'll, I'll back that up. So, coming in at number four, <laughs> I don't know how they did it, but they uh, they beat down the Buffalo Bills last night with almost no in person practicing. They're four and zero. The Tennessee Titans plus thirty two, which is uh, you know a great number. Uh, they're eleven and three, dating back to last year. Ryan Tannehill's a big reason why. Uh, yeah, this is such a well-coached football team and honestly should be a threat to anybody. I mean, they've beat the Ravens. I know a lot of people give Pat Mahomes all the credit for beating the Ravens, but this team beat the Ravens too. This team beat Tom Brady in his last game as a Patriot. This is a good football team, and they just obliterated another good football team last night on Tuesday. Coming in at number three, you can make the case that this team deserves to be number one, or you can make the case that this team deserves to be number 10. The Seattle Seahawks, they're the only 5-0 team in the league. They're plus 34-point differential, which is kind of crazy seeing as they're 5-0. and But they're giving up a staggering 27 points per game. But the reason they're 5-0 and and the reason they're as high on my list as they are is Russell Wilson, 19 touchdowns, only three picks. Mind you, his career high is 35 touchdowns, so he is well over halfway there. At, gosh, I mean, there's still such such – a long season to go and plenty of games. Russ has been incredible. They have to get the defense figured out or they could drop on this list very quickly. But because of how good they are offensively, they deserve to be three. Coming in at number two, the Kansas City Chiefs at four and one, plus 39 on the on the year. They just suffered their first loss since last November. I'm not going to beat them up too much. The Raiders, I'm not entirely sure what they are at this point. I think they're good enough to beat anybody. But they're also not good enough to just beat anybody. They have to they have to play a good game as they did against Kansas City. They have to play good defense, and uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to lose the the meaningless games to a, a team like the Jets or the Lions. But they can they can compete with anybody, and that's why Kansas City dropped a game. I think they overlooked them. And uh, again, I'm not going to beat them up too much. It's their first loss since November, and that includes the playoff run and the Super Bowl and all that. Coming in at number one. In my opinion, the most the most balanced and the best team in the league, the Green Bay Packers, sitting at four and zero. They were off on a bye this week, but uh, it kind of benefited them because they didn't get to lose. But I'm pretty sure whoever they would have played, they might have beat them anyway. Plus fifty one, that's second in the league. Aaron Rodgers, thirteen touchdowns, zero picks. Uh, yeah, at this point, I'm 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 feeling pretty confident saying that Green Bay is the best team in the league. Uh, they sure as hell played like it. Teams that I left out, but Again, could easily make a case for 8, 9, 10. Uh, the Raiders, the Patriots, the Buccaneers, the Saints, who I'm, I'm growing back on, and the Colts. Uh, and then a team on my radar who I'm, you know, I just want to mention them because they at least deserve it, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, um, we'll touch on it a little bit. But when you include those teams, I think most people who are watching the NFL and pay attention at least have – a relatively close playoff picture in mind, maybe not seeding, but we're starting to see who the top half of each conference is. Um, I'll jump right into it with my team at number 10. I thought you'd have them on your list, but I have the New England Patriots at number 10. Um, I know it's crazy with with 14 teams that have two or less losses through four or five games, but the Patriots are, they still have the best coach in the NFL 
Cam Newton has looked amazing. And their two losses, again, they have a really good close loss to the Seahawks. No one's going to, you know, <clears throat> look at them any less for that. And then they play the Chiefs phenomenally without Cam Newton. So some people might say other teams deserve the spot, but I'm going to give the Patriots number 10. Uh, number nine on my list, I'm moving the Chicago Bears into my top 10. Four and one, good team in the NFC uh, North there. Um they beat the Buccaneers this weekend, and they held them to under 20 points, which you can say Godwin's out, Fournette, this or that. They played a good game. They played the Bucks. They beat them. The defense really came alive. Um, since Nick Foles has really taken over, they played well against the Colts, and they played well against the Bucks. And Khalil Mack looks like a man on fire through four games. It looks like he's he's um he's ready to go. Moving on to number eight, another defensive MVP candidate, Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns. Um, this team leads the league with 12 takeaways. Uh, they have the number one running game in the NFL currently with 5.5 yards per carry. Um, big test this weekend against the 4-0 Steelers at Heinz Field. Um, we'll see how that goes because it's strength against strength. The Steelers have only allowed three yards per carry against them. So, That'll be a good one. We'll we'll figure out a lot about this uh, AFC North real quick and how it shakes up on that game. Moving along here to number seven, uh, the Bills fall a little bit here because of how they lost. Um, they did get disintegrated by a team who didn't have much practice. Um, Josh Allen's still a stud. That first interception that kind of sent the game downhill really wasn't his fault, but he did throw behind quite a bit of receivers if you guys watched the game Tuesday. But on the flip side, he made a lot of incredible plays. Um, again, the Stefan Diggs experiment, it's working. They were without their top corner as well, but no excuses there. COVID year 2020, everybody's hurt. Got to get it done. Bills didn't, but they're still a top 10 team. Number seven, number six, four and oh Steelers. Um, in my opinion, I want to put them higher, but I can't be too biased. Um, my comeback player of the year prediction was big Ben. Uh, he's 70% he's completion, 10 touchdowns, one pick, throwing for 250 a game. Uh, the defense has played extremely well except for the last game. The secondary might have shown some issues there against the Eagles. Travis Fulgham going for a buck 50 and a touchdown. But it's nice to see this year instead of last year where when the offense or when the defense doesn't play outstanding, our offense scores 39 points. That wasn't an option last year. Steelers showed they can win multiple ways. However, the teams they beat are three, 15, and one. So it'll be it'll it'll be held against them pretty crucially how they deal with the four and one Browns. At number five, you alluded to it to yourself. Um, this team could be one. This team could be ten. So I have them right in the middle at five. The Seattle Seahawks. They're wide receivers. I, I mean, they're okay. DK Metcalf's turning into a stud, but there's nothing about this team I like except Russell Wilson. They're 32nd in the league in defense, and my goodness, this is the best I've personally ever seen a quarterback play in my entire life. I've never it, – it's, it's almost like cheating the way Russell Wilson is playing. So I just don't like putting a team inside the top five or to those top four spots when they're so reliant on one guy, because I truly believe this team has hardly a shot to win without one guy, but they do have him. So I'm going to leave him at five. 
Um, we can talk about the Seahawks for days, but it's incredible what Russell Wilson's doing. Number four, um, just like you, I mean, we've been pulling back and pulling back on this slingshot, not wanting to. And I think the Titans here have been a deceptive team because I don't really watch the Titans. You know, I, I heard a lot on talk shows kind of this morning. Um, the Titans, it's kind of been drilled into our head, the, the mediocrity about them. Um, you know, they're seven and nine, seven and nine, seven and nine. Marcus Mariota's below average turnover machine. Ryan Tannehill, wide receiver turned quarterback, hurts himself at practice, eight and eight, comes over from Miami. Who is he? Well, he's seven, he's 13 and four through 17 games as a starter. In the last calendar year, he's number one in total QBR in the NFL at 114. I mean, he's just getting it done. I, I still I don't have them in my top three because they have three wins by a combined six points. But my goodness, it was outstanding to watch what they were able to do to the Bills last night. Derrick Henry, you know, maybe we said it couldn't work because, again, we're not really watching them. Derrick Henry looks bigger than every other player on the field, and it doesn't matter what position. You know, maybe he's the only guy who can do this. But actually watching them, that first touchdown pass to A.J. Brown, um, just everything they were doing, really, the Titans looked like a Super Bowl contender, and their record reflects that. So I have them at four. They're a run-first team, which will go right into number three. I think a team that's very similar, and you could even flop three and four with the Ravens. Ravens are four and one. They're good against everybody except the Chiefs. Uh, but, you know, you can go last year and the Titans beat them in the playoffs. So, I mean, th these teams are very close. They're both next to each other in my list for a reason. Um, however, the Ravens have played two divisional games and they won 27 to 3 and 38 to 6. So they lose close and they win big. That speaks volumes on what it takes to beat this team. And, you know, they can lose and you can jump off the bandwagon, but. There's not many teams you're taking over the Ravens on any given Sunday. Leads me to the top two. Um, number two, Kansas City. I think it really was a fluke game. They had beaten the Raiders so much, so much that Patrick Mahomes even alluded to it in the post game. You know, they, they kind of just slept walk. They're, they're trying to do too many fancy plays and make it look spectacular. Um, the offensive line played atrocious. Mahomes was pressured 16 times last game against the Raiders, which kudos to the Raiders as well. Um, they allowed five plays of 40 yards or more. That just doesn't happen. Like, I don't know if that'll happen to any team again this year, period. Um, it was a fluke. I It might start to become a trend because they Chargers the week before. So let's see if they can get it, get their ducks in a row. But they won two divisional games or they, they won and lost, excuse me. But um, they're going to have to get it together because the Raiders are right outside the top 10 for me and you as well. And they're a scary team. Brings me to number one in terms of scary teams, Green Bay, the Packers. I believe everybody has them as the consensus number one. Um, they're 4-0. Rodgers, 13 touchdowns, no picks. He's also not been sacked yet this year. I don't know if anybody knew that stat. He has been sacked. I want to say they've only given up three sacks on the year. Oh, okay. If, if, if he hasn't been sacked, that's news to me. Then I will have to check my sources. I apologize to anybody listening. I thought he has not been sacked this year. However, if three is true, 
He's being sacked less than one time a game, which is still phenomenal. Um, but I would like to just say one thing. Every team has flaws. Green Bay, the four teams they faced, the best defense they have faced is ranked 26th in the NFL. So they are scoring 30 points per game and everything's good with him and the coach and everything's running smoothly. They get Devontae Adams back. But I believe, do they play the Bills this weekend? The Kansas City Chiefs? No, um, so the Kansas City Chiefs play the Bills. Green Bay plays the Buccaneers. That's who it Buccaneers. is, not the Bills. Yeah. I'm sorry. They played the Buccaneers. So that's going to be a fun game. Brady Rodgers, um, the first real defense the Packers have seen. They get Devontae Adams back. Green Bay is good. All, all these teams are good. There's there's still four undefeated teams. Um, the, the close ones out, Buccaneers, Rams, Raiders, Panthers, Saints. I do not take the Colts seriously anymore. Um, they have a good defense, but you have to have good quarterback play. And Phillip Rivers, is he's not the answer. I, I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if we get halfway through the season and maybe they start going back to Jacoby Brissett. I know Frank Wright likes Phillip Rivers and whatnot, but his inconsistency is kind of remarkable. Um, he, he, he single-handedly lost both their games. And when they've won, it's more of the run game and defense. So they have what I might even start to consider through five games, a liability at quarterback. So I have removed the Colts. And with the ascension now of the Titans, I don't think they're close in that division either. Um, both their losses are to AFC teams, one in their division. So I, unless they do a trade deadline for a quarterback, I, I'm out on the Colts. But the Panthers, Bucks, and Saints all at three and two for that division. I'll tell you what, the Panthers, are, you know, we were both high on them and they're better than we thought. Um, yeah. We took a big step back when they lost to the Raiders week one, but I think everyone's starting to come around on how the Raiders are a for real team too. Yeah, they are. So, I, I mean, I've made a list here. I have seven NFC teams and eight AFC teams. Everyone I just mentioned. Um, the only weird part is no NFC East team, which also brings me to this point. I, I think a lot of people, I know Chuck, David Nutter, you know, Nick, if you guys are listening, I left the Rams off. They're a four and one team. How'd you put the Patriots in there at two and two? Leave my Rams off. The AFC is a slugfest. The AFC is stacked, in my opinion. I mean, there's teams coming out of everywhere who are good. The Dolphins just crushed the 49ers. I mean, there's teams all over the AFC. It's it's a minefield. The Rams are four and zero against the NFC East. They played one Rams team or the Bills, excuse me, they had to come back from like 27 down to make it close. The Bills let off the gas, quite honestly. So I, I do want to take a step back. I know you had the Rams at seven, and their record reflects that. And maybe, you know, we should eight. only look at or I am eight. eight. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And, um, you know, wins. Count the wins. Wins are what matters. We had a discussion on the Facebook page that wins are the only thing that matters. So maybe the 4-0 team should have been at the top. However you want to do it. They've only beat the Cowboys. And you have to play your schedule. That's not the Rams' fault that that's who they had to play. And quite honestly, they beat who they're supposed to beat. But and convincingly. Plays, they're plus 46 yeah, on the year. Right. And, yeah. But that's what worries me. They beat who they're supposed to beat. But so far, they haven't beat the teams that they need to beat. 
So I wonder if this team is still, again, going to reflect last year and be a middle of the table, maybe squeak in, be a team that can scare people. But, you know, they've only faced, in my opinion, one real opponent, and they lost. And it should have been convincing. Kudos to them for their comeback. But I, I just I hold that against the Rams a little bit. So that's why there's a four and one team off my list. I'd like to defend that. I know Raiders fans are active on our Real Talk page here and on the, yeah, on the talk. I, I know some of you might be mad that, that they're not in over the Patriots, but the Patriots did beat the Raiders to be fair. So, um, you know, it, it can go a lot of ways. Um, but, but that's my list. Pick it apart as you may. I'm, I'm always interested on, on Facebook or our, our new YouTube channel or however you want to contact me, we can talk about it. But like I said, I think we've named the teams that are really hunting for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with what you're saying on the Rams for sure, actually. I mean, we've pointed out multiple times on this show, the Rams have played the entire NFC East at this point. The NFC East is terrible. We haven't talked about them a single time on this power rankings, if if I'm correct. I don't think a single team has made our power rankings in five weeks. So maybe the Cowboys one time, but I don't I don't even think, yeah, I don't think a single team has made it. We did it after week one, and, and we left them off. Yeah, yeah. A lot of one no teams, so... So pers- personally, I mean, the Rams don't have any credible wins. They're they're right there with the Steelers, really. But I have them as a leg up because I do believe that this is a good football team. I, I, I asked myself when I was making my power 10, who's better, the Rams today or the Browns? And I would pick the Rams in a game, which is why I put them over top. I don't know. This is I mean, a lot of this is matchup driven because personally, like today, I think the Patriots might be able to beat the Rams and the Browns. But I also, you know, I like what the Rams and the Browns are doing. It's a what have you done for me lately? The Patriots obviously having that random bye week and coming off a loss. And I don't know, as of right now, to be completely fair, I don't know if Cam Newton's going to start on Sunday. I took that into consideration. Lots of stuff, you know. And one more thing before we move on from our power rankings. The week one matchup between the Raiders and the Panthers that we said before the season, this is a team, uh, this is a game of two bad teams with no defenses that are just going to throw it up on each other. That turned out to be actually incorrect. That was a team yeah. with two good offenses battling it out in it a fist fight. It to be a statement game by both. There just had to be yeah. a winner. There had to be a winner. It truly. Yeah. So. Panthers I mean, doing this without Christian McCaffrey. I mean, come on. Without McCaffrey. It, I mean, when they get yeah. when they get McCaffrey back with Robbie Anderson, and we saw DJ Moore take that pass house this week. When they get yeah. McCaffrey, the way this uh, Davis guy is playing at running back, McCaffrey could start lining up in the slot out there. I mean, they're going to be able to do whatever they want. This team, Matt yeah. Rule, kudos to Matt Rule because this defense is starting to play better and better and better each week. They've gotten better, and you know, there's a little side note going to the opposite of our our power rankings, kind of. Before this season, did anyone think the Falcons would be 0-5? No. It's them no. in New York. Those are the three undef- or winless teams. That, and, you know, some of you guys listening are in pick'ems, and it's like, oh, this is, the week the, this is the week the Falcons, can they do it? They just fired their coach and, or, and GM. I mean, we'll, we'll see. But, wow, the Falcons, that might be one of the biggest surprises in the NFL season is how bad the Falcons have been. Is Julio it's- on the move? Is Matt Ryan on the move? I mean, wow. It's crazy. crazy because nobody, and I mean nobody, had the Falcons tanking for Trevor. Nobody. And now it's a conversation. Yeah. It's a conversation we need to have. 
what are you going to do if you get the number one pick? Are you you're going to move off from Ryan, or are you going to bring him in? Or it's at least a conversation right now that Trevor Lawrence is in play for Atlanta. And everyone knows when a new coach comes in, they want their own quarterback. If the Falcons end up going down that low, and you know I had him going to the Texans, but say an Eric Bieniemy or an offensive-minded coach goes to Atlanta. And they can trade Julio, who's been injured, to gather picks and use that with their own first round or even Matt Ryan, you know, disperse the team and move up and get Trevor Lawrence and start over again in Atlanta because that team has not recovered since the Super Bowl loss. And it shows that it's crazy because they've been in positions to win all these games. But whether it be injuries or motivation or how they're playing, they what a shame the Falcons are. What I mean, it's yeah. just insane. Well, let's move on to another train wreck of a team, the New York Jets. Uh, ha- haven't won a game, and they just released their somewhat recently signed running back, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I'm sure he'll clean, clear lavers later this afternoon, if he hasn't already. Where do you see him going? Well, first of all, I know everyone, maybe even some of you rolled your eyes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on Pittsburgh for a minute. That's where he's going, but I'm going to hold off on the Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm going to hold off on Pittsburgh. Yeah. There are a couple landing spots I think that would be phenomenal. Um, I really think he could stay in division and help the Buffalo Bills. I think he could absolutely help Josh Allen out as a receiving back or even give them more options offensively. But I think they like Singletary, and they just drafted Zach Moss, so they might let that go. Depending on how bad his Eckler's injury is, I think he would be great for a Justin Herbert, a guy who likes to extend the play and dump it down to a Le'Veon Bell. You know, maybe they are missing Melvin Gordon, but um, he's a guy who Le'Veon Bell cannot hit the home run ball, but he he consistently chunks. I I think he would be a great piece for the Chargers. Um, third place, I would I would put the Bears. I think the Bears might be able to use him. Um, a guy who can who can add to their somewhat non-existent passing game outside of Allen Robinson. Um, I think he could be a weapon there. But the answer for me is always going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, what I was told is they were looking for even a seventh rounder at one point for the trade. No one gave it to them. That's how much people stayed away. Before the trade deadline last year, the Steelers were one of the teams who inquired about getting him. It turns out that lucrative deal he made with the Jets is actually less money than the Steelers offered him, but he took the money. Um, people say Le'Veon Bell's washed up. He's not who he is. And I don't have any any reason to say that you're wrong. Watching him for the Jets was pitiful. But I don't know one person who excels under Adam Gase. When Ryan Tannehill was playing for the Dolphins, you're like, oh, my gosh. Him and Gase, they went 8-8. Eight and eight. He was holding Tannehill back. Tana, look what he is now. I just don't want people to forget the Le'Veon Bell that was a walking 1,500 yards from scrimmage for the Steelers, or the guy who averaged 4.2 yards to carry for the Steelers, or the guy who averaged 10 touchdowns a year. Um, it's James Conner and then a mixture of all these random guys. The Steelers don't know how many plays they have left with Ben Roethlisberger. He's restructured his deal already. Pouncey has restructured his deal this year. David DeCastro has restructured his deal. You know, we're going to have to pay some guys on defense, but if you're going for it all with Big Ben now, 
And after Mike Tomlin got the call that Big Ben was coming back last year to play after surgery, he said, we're going to need to get Ben help if we want to win with him. Went out and got Minka Fitzpatrick. We signed Cameron Hayward. We're giving him a defense. With the emergence of Chase Claypool and Juju and Deontay and the wide receiving core that we have, if you're telling me the Steelers add a Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, one-two punch, which also helps Conner, a guy who, after so many carries, his knees, his ankles, they start to get hurt. It just makes so much sense. And I believe Bell, you know, not many people know this, when we played the Jets last year, he wore some Steelers gear to the game, along with Jets gear. He released a pump-up video that morning where he would receive a handoff from Sam Darnold, and then mid-juke, it would transition to him in a Steelers jersey. It was like a half-and-half half hype video. He has said it was never about the team. It was just he wanted more money. But I truly believe this is a guy who's, who's a baller. I, I think he's still interested in football, and the grass isn't always greener on the other side. He's a free agent. He now has his choice. I don't believe it's out of the question that he wouldn't restructure and, and take down some of the guaranteed money, or even if he keeps it. I just well, think the Steelers are the number one team to get him. Just to be clear, if he clears waivers, that money that he was owed with the Jets is gone. Whatever's okay. owed, that's on the Jets. That's on not. It would be up to the new team to issue him some sort of contract. If he's picked up off the waivers, meaning somebody does not let him clear them, then they're responsible for uh, part of the contract. Not all of it, but part of it. The Jets are going to be end up dealing with a lot of it. Okay, so I don't, I don't really – like the contract stuff is something I need to learn more about. So if I'm listening to you right, he's going to be a free agent with no contract whatsoever. You could sign him for a one-year, $1 million. So Better in minimum, whatever he is. So whatever yeah. deal the new team creates. Yes. But it cannot be a two-year end season. It needs to be a one-year deal right. until the end of the season. Correct. You know, I already thought he was going to the Steelers. Knowing that information – I just, I just don't understand how he wouldn't be a Steeler. So I mean, let me pose this question because obviously you're, you're, you're on that train, you're on that hype train, and you want him back. So, real quick let, before let, you get into this, I, I am super biased. To those you don't know, I'm a massive Steelers fan. And Bell, I put on Facebook earlier, he's a top five favorite of mine all time. Uh, I'd love to be able to wear his jersey again. So this is. Something I'm real passionate about. I really hope he comes back. But answer your ask your question. And I here. and I know that about you. Obviously, that's why I'm that's why I'm trying to like give the fans questions to you because I'm not going to speak too much on this conversation because I don't. I mean, I don't. A lot of people are putting him to this New England. He's not going to be a Patriot. He's not. I don't. That's a. In my opinion, that's far fetched. There's a couple of teams, and I just kind of want your opinions on them. Seattle. Yeah. Um. It's hard not to want a player like Le'Veon Bell. They could always use more weapons, but I believe if Seattle's going to use resources this year, trade deadline, free agent, whatever the case may be, any money they spend going forward has to be on defense. Okay. And uh, I believe there's bad blood between him and Jamal Adams, so I don't know if they'd want that in their locker room. With Jamal Adams ditching the Jets before Le'Veon Bell, they had a yeah, big Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're, there was that feud. I don't think they'd need that in the locker room. Uh, second thing is Carolina. They like the Davis that they have, and McCaffrey's coming back. I think you could argue running back as their strongest position. Okay, interesting. Um, 
the Bills you've already touched on, and I think we both agree that would be a nice fit there. Uh, what about uh, Tennessee? Um, I guess maybe Tennessee. They are a run-heavy team. Uh, Derrick Henry, um, Le'Veon Bell would be a nice little bit of a change of pace. He's more of a elusive back rather than a power back. If you remember, let me interrupt real quick. They they had Deion Lewis. Yeah. He worked out. They let him walk. They haven't really they haven't really replaced a third down back there. I think he'd be a great second and third down back. And like you said with with um, McCaffrey a few minutes ago, they could put Le'Veon Bell in the slot on even second down. Yeah. Um. I guess when it comes to that, um, a lot of teams have seen the injuries, the mileage in college and how the Steelers used him. And then they see what he is for the Jets. I think there's a lot of teams that are like, we don't know what we're getting in Le'Veon Bell. I think the Steelers look at it as we know what we're getting in Le'Veon Bell. And I just think if, if it's not about the money, one year deal to play, I also think the Steelers is where he would get the most playing time. I don't know if it would be 90, 10% like it was. Connor's still going to get 35, 40% of the carries. It'll be more of a an even backfield. But I don't think there's anywhere he would go where he would be comfortable, think he has a chance to win it all. I mean, it's the 4-0 Steelers. He could take a dirt cheap deal as an apology. Yeah. I, I'm not saying he will. But if, if we can sign him to one year, whatever, the money, the playtime, the chance to win a ship, it's all its highest with the Steelers. He doesn't have to relearn a new offensive line. It's the same one he left, minus a left guard. Um, for the, the three big pieces are still there. Ben's still there. Um, him and Connor still work out together in the offseason and text and call all the time. Juju's still friends with Le'Veon Bell. His exit, I want people to understand, it was not like the Antonio Brown exit. They were different. There, they were different. There was complaints from the offensive line publicly because they thought it was greedy to want the guaranteed money over helping them win because remember bell was 2000 yards from scrimmage when he left you got to try and remember what he was so there was frustration because the steelers knew our best chance to win was with Le'Veon bell but he chose money this time money's not that big of an issue he is now what he's in his uh he's like 27 or 28 now he's got some mileage james connor you know he's running 100 yards a game it would be really nice for bell he could get some time in at wide receiver. There's there's plenty of formations. I mean, with Deontay showing a little bit of an injury history, um, Juju, Claypool, Connor in the backfield, Bell at slot, a tight end. I, that's, a, that's a formation a lot of teams, you know, we, it opens up so much for the offense. And like I said, he might get 60% or 40% of the snaps at running back, but he might get another 15 at wide receiver, which might help him because he, he's still quick off the cut, but he doesn't have breakaway speed. I, I just think there's a lot Le'Veon Bell can do. And the one spot where both sides benefit the most is Pittsburgh. And based on everything I've seen after he left, everything points to him wishing he didn't. And that, that's what I get from everybody. Yeah. It, but, but I'm just saying it's not like he could have put things out that made it seem like he just wanted to leave the Jets. The stuff he put out seemed like he wanted to come back to Pittsburgh. I think there's a difference there. And maybe that's me just wanting it, so I'm looking for subtle details. It's always possible. And but if, if he gets is signing a one year deal worth X amount of money, no place both sides benefit more than Pittsburgh. It's the easiest transition. He's lived here. The team's basically the same. He was gone for seventeen months. I mean, I I just think it's a sometimes you gotta stick take a step back to go forward. 
Okay, let, let me say this in, in closing before we move on to our last topic here. Uh, so it's 2020, okay? We're talking it's mid-October. Le'Veon Bell has played in, I think, two games. He's been atrocious. 2019, he played, I believe, close to the whole year. If not, he played over 14 games, I want to say, 14 or more. He was atrocious. In 2018, he didn't play at all. Uh, contract dispute with with the Steelers, didn't want to play on the tag. 2017 is the last time we've seen meaningful football of Le'Veon Bell. And I believe you've already answered this question, but I'm just going to repose it to you. What is Le'Veon Bell? Is he an elite back? Is he a solid back? Is he a dual back, meaning he needs a, he needs a James Conner to succeed now? What, what is, where is Le'Veon Bell, in your humble opinion? I think Le'Veon Bell, with all the mileage in his career, would work best if he could carry, I think, max 75% of the load. Like, he's not a three-down back anymore. With that being said, some of his rest could be at the wide receiver position because I believe he's the best catching running back in the NFL. Some of the things I've seen him do with his hands. I mean, there's lots of running backs that can catch and run, but I mean, like, the the way he catches the ball, one hand in traffic, he he could play a wide receiver type role. I think as a running back, seventy percent. Now, when you say elite, the thing is, is Le'Veon Bell. If it's over thirty yards, or some would even argue twenty, he's not going to score the touchdown. He does not have breakaway speed. But if you have Le'Veon Bell and at first and ten, it's going to be second and six. If you have a second and six, you're looking at a third and two. With the way the Steelers have three Pro Bowl caliber offensive linemen and the way he, you know, he ran a totally different way than anyone else in the NFL. That's why I don't think he works anywhere else. He's a guy who waits behind his offensive line. And with his body type, he averaged 4.2 yards a carry. He's running, running primarily out of the shotgun, too. Correct. He's a death by a thousand cuts because he's got the quick moves to make a guy miss. And then. Like, this is what I loved about Le'Veon Bell. The first two quarters, he does that stutter step where, like, he's looking a different way. You know, everyone's seen the highlights. And then he just, boom, a step cut and makes a guy miss, gets some extra yards. And then in the third quarter, he goes to do that jump cut, but he lays his body into the guy, gets an extra two to three yards. He makes – Le'Veon Bell makes life for Ben Roethlisberger so easy because – our third downs are so much shorter with Bell because he's more of a consistent runner. But again, none of the runners we have now really hit the home run ball. So it wouldn't be anything different. Um, I, I just think that's what Le'Veon Bell is. I don't think you can come in and be like, hey, Bell, we need you to carry it you know, 30 times a game. I think he's best at maybe 16 carries and six to seven targets. But that's the thing. A lot of Le'Veon Bell's targets in the Steelers system weren't intentional. It was Ben making a guy miss and then dumping it off to Le'Veon Bell. And then he does work in the open field. Um, I just think that that's what he is. He, he, he never was a guy who was going to you know, bust 30, 20-yard runs here and there, just truck people. It was just effortless five yards, seven yards, four yards. And, and that's just kind of who he's always been. But because he was on the Steelers, he looks so good. He goes to the Jets where they need him to carry the offense. That's not the guy he is. That's why he was a second round pick out of Michigan State, not a top ten. Okay. Uh let's go to the last topic here. Uh gruesome injury from Dak Prescott. I mean, a lot of people have seen pictures and you know, 
I, I put out an immediate post because I am. I disagreed with what Le'Veon did. I believe he was offered, if I remember correctly, it was five years, $85 million. And like you said, it was guaranteed money or whatever. And he turned that down. That I dislike when players do that. Dak was never offered any kind of contract. He was tagged. And I've always supported the players when they don't want to play on a tag. And the reason being is for exactly what happened to Dak Prescott. If Dak Prescott was a running back, his contract for next year would be massively affected. Massively. Even maybe potentially a wide receiver or even a tight end. An offensive skill player would have been majorly impacted by this contract coming up off of the injury that Dak has suffered. But Dak, being a quarterback, doesn't need to be super mobile. I mean, the league's moving to a mobile quarterback, but you don't need to be super mobile. I think he'll be all right. But regardless, I'm not pro-franchise tag for that exact reason of what happened to Dak. Moving on, what are the Cowboys with Andy Dalton? They're a team. I'm not super heavily affected on where they're going to go, like in terms of win-loss. But I think this will be a more balanced offense. Um, I, I think it's going to hurt fantasy owners who have the wide receivers of the Cowboys. Um, I think Zeke and even Tony Pollard are going to start to get more carries. But I've always been a huge advocate that Andy Dalton is good. I've also been a very big advocate of trying to preach to people how bad the Bengals are in the offensive line. Um, Andy Dalton has never had a really good team around him, and he's been to the playoffs in the ASC North a couple times. So I. I think I think they signed him for a reason in case Dak sat. But Andy Dalton for a while has talked about he's going to go to the Patriots, take over for Brady. They're still going to be fine. You know, where is he going to go? Stop talking about him. And then he's on the Cowboys, and here he goes. I, I still think the Cowboys are going to go on this four-game win streak, three more after this one. And, you know, I think that's even going to hurt the stigma of Dak again. Like, oh, wow, Dak's gone, and now the Cowboys are winning. I don't want to read too much into that. Dak was absolutely incredible. He's still the passing leader in the NFL by, I think, 300 yards. It does suck for Dak. Um, and when he was leaving the field, like, watching the emotion, like, coming from Dak Prescott, yeah. it seemed more to me like it was about letting his teammates down. Like, it seemed like he, like he's just – Dak's a special dude, and I've always hated the Cowboys – I've always loved their quarterbacks, Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. Same. Um, Same. So, I mean, it it was really tough. I remember watching it, and I, you know, I, I missed a little bit, and I came back, and he was holding his calf. And I was like, did he pull a muscle or something? And boom, it hit me. I, you know, you see his foot, and you're just like, all those thoughts start running through. Uh, the contract, the franchise tag, F the Cowboys, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I still think he's going to get paid. I think there's a huge question on is Dak bitter and will he want that money from someone else? I think that's what the Cowboys should worry about. This season, I think they'll be fine with Andy Dalton. The rest of their division is god-awful, so they might end up hosting a playoff game, which is disgusting. But the Cowboys can still turn this around. I think they need a lot of help on defense if they want to get anywhere significant. But, um, for what it's worth. I wonder where he goes. For what it's worth, Dak Prescott was on pace. Now, who knows how much this would have, you know, calmed down. But after his, his four and a half games, he was on pace for 6,640 yards passing for the season, which would have obliterated Peyton Manning's 5,500. 
So it makes you wonder, even if he calmed down a little bit. It would have had over 5K, easy. He had, he, over 55, probably, even. So he definitely would have had a 5,000-yard passing season. But he was on pace to shatter Peyton's 5,500 record he set just a couple of years back. But anyways, uh, another good power ranking episode. We Obviously, with the, with the Tuesday night football this week, we didn't do a Tuesday power rankings. So, you know, the, the game-by-game breakdown, we're probably not going to have one this week because the new season literally starts tomorrow. So, well, uh, no Thursday night game this week. Got oh, moved. that's right. That's right. There yeah. is no Thursday night game. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll give you guys a, a couple of days off to give this a listen. And hopefully, maybe you guys, instead of listening, you're going to be watching this on our new YouTube channel. Uh, the link will be in the comments for you guys. Uh, for those of you that have been participating with the live show, we'll be back this Sunday for another uh, Real Talk Live at 9 a.m. on the Facebook page. And, uh, yeah, T-shirts, T-shirts. Anybody that ordered a T-shirt should be due in, in about a week on the 22nd, I think i seen. So, uh, yeah. Things are things are going good. There's lots to lots to talk about in the real talk world. And uh, guys, feel free. I know last week I couldn't make it to the live show, unfortunately, but I was watching a little bit and I noticed some things that can be improved. And uh, Jeff and I were always open to quality of life improvements for for the um, for the real talk brand, essentially. And um, you know, maybe Facebook Live. We're working with that, and we're also creating the YouTube channel. So. If there's anything you guys can think of, any little thing as to connection or how we run the show or the timing of it, yeah, please, if you guys are watching, we want to make it the best we can for you guys. We're pretty flexible with it, so don't ever be afraid to tell us what you think we're doing wrong or how we can do something better or act, even let us know what we're doing right. You know, we love all that stuff, so, so thank you guys for being part of the Real Talk. It's always about you guys first, obviously, so we appreciate it. Yeah, and just so you guys know, we are looking into another avenue as far as uh, running a live show on Sunday mornings. If Facebook may not be the ultimate, uh, it just may not be the best quality as far as what we're trying to accomplish uh, in the Real Talk community. So uh, potentially YouTube, potentially other other venues. But regardless, we're digging what you guys are saying back to us, and we're digging the feedback. And first, I mean, we're enjoying what we're doing now. So yeah. With that said uh gosh dude it, it's crazy but <laughs> we're on to week six we're on to week six so, all right guys we're out of here have a good one look for us on the facebook page and the youtube page and we'll see you next time go patriots steelers baby